What's up, everybody? This is Lee from Drum Dums. You're about to watch another episode of the awesome podcast, Rants from the Black Lodge. Brandon has asked me to give you an introduction on Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. If you remember, I did a little section for Rob Zombie's Halloween, I believe. Was it a couple years ago? But when he told me to say something for Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, I jumped at the chance because... This might be one of the most misunderstood slasher films in all of history. It's so far removed from the rest of the Halloween franchise that I completely understand why people don't gravitate towards this movie, even hate it. But I think it's all those reasons that make me love it so much from the 16 millimeter film stock used for the movie uh, to the Make no apologies, brutality of Michael Myers in this, uh, to the the awkward plot structure with opening up with a dream sequence, and somehow, at least for me, it works. And um, I just love how far removed Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 is. And if I could share a little story, I remember when I first saw this movie, I, I had to wait a few months to see it because I was in... Um, Japan at the time it came out and I didn't get to see it in the theaters and so when I did get to see it in the theaters it was on a special showing October 30th the night before Halloween and I think it was just me and two other people in the theater one was my wife one was my uh, niece and uh, both of them fell asleep because they were so jet lagged and tired and I, I, I thanked God about halfway into this movie that they were asleep because it would have been quite awkward you know that's what I love about Rob Zombie's approach to movies he doesn't give a shit if he offends you and some will be offended by just about all of his movies. Um, and I, I really just absolutely love, um, when you get right down to it, how this movie focuses on trauma. That's the main focus of this movie. Laurie Strode, what she went through in the first movie, which I'm not a fan of, by the way, but this movie, it happens to be one of my favorite Halloween movies. So buckle up. Um, I, I'm not sure 100% what Brandon and company think of this movie. Uh, I'm curious myself, but uh, I have to give you my no apologies opinion for Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. It is an, um, an utter classic. And uh, I think one of the most misunderstood slasher movies, maybe of all time. And I cherish it. I cherish this movie to death. So anyway, guys, thank you and enjoy the episode. Recording live from the Black Lodge, it's Rants After Dark, with your host, Brandon A. Lane. All right, welcome again to another episode of Rants After Dark. I'm your host, Brandon A. Lane, and joining me tonight is sometimes drunk, always fat, the boozer weight champion of podcasting. You know him, you love him, Fat Tony. Yes, I am here. My body has destroyed itself with illness and sickness. 
Uh, I do have to get something. I've warned Brandon about this. I'm taking 15, 20 seconds here at the top. Scott, fuck you. You don't know Jason as much as me. You got to play him in a haunted house once, but you have skinny legs, so it didn't matter. And there is fantasy no, football, there's I no, only oh, did. Oh, 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 oh. There's nothing skinny on Scott. His legs are too skinny for his upper torso. It's too skinny to play Jason, so yes. He's got a big fat cock, apparently. I'll give him that. We'll give him that. But anyway, I digress. How do you know that? He but like well, he showed it to me once. I was like, hey, good job, buddy. We high-fived. Okay. But anyway, he he rolls up in my DMs after our last episode. Showing you his big fat Friday too. So you keep my name out of your mouth. I love Jason Moore. No, you don't, buddy. I got a decade on you. I got a decade because you got to play him at a little haunted house. Does not give him you access more than me. Jason would have killed those kids. He's not a samurai. And <laughs> I joined a fantasy football league only to help Brandon beat uh, Travis Laster, who can go fuck himself. And I've lost every game yeah, I'm not until dis- this week against Fat Puck Scott. So go fuck yourself, buddy. I love you. Yeah, I kind of probably inadvertently helped you win that game because I, I kept telling him he needs to play Tua, who's the quarterback for Miami, because they were kind of, you know, on a stroll. But then when he started playing him, after I had told him two weeks to play him, they were no longer on a stroll. Well, so I, um, uh, you're welcome. I'm not doing very well in fantasy football I, right I, now. I, I have uh, a penis <laughs> And I like vagina, so I don't keep up. And, but I do love the league. I'll, the league show is great, but I don't care. I just want Travis to lose. Oh, well, that's, our that's all that matters. Guy. That's what we all want. It's, it's the and day. I do enjoy talking shit. I've got so many talking shit memes ready to go in our little group chat. It's the only thing that keeps me going right now because I'm like knee deep in Fright Night stuff. So October, he's uh, ready I, to start cutting wrists, like like down the road, not across the street either. <laughs> I'm not quite that far off because. The starting this week, I get to actually have some fun. And one of the fun things we're going to be doing is what we're doing right now. Oh, yeah. Tonight, we're going to be watching one of the most polarizing and controversial entries in the Michael Myers canon, that being Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Now, specifically, we're going to be watching the unrated cut. So we invite all of you out there in the Rant Army to pop in your DVD, Blu-ray, VHS. It's not available on Laserdisc, but it is available on digital. So pop in your copy of Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, and you're going to pause the movie right before the Dimension logo is going to come on screen. Then what we're going to do is we're going to do a countdown, and when I say hit play, what you going to do? Hit fucking play. Just remember, you don't have to watch the movie with us. You get to watch the movie with us. Exactly. So without further ado, three, two, one, play. Real quickly, on the top... This would probably be the most polarizing uh, episode, like um, part of the franchise, until Halloween ends. Like I don't know who, which do you think is the most polarizing. Let's let's table that discussion for oh, just a few because okay. I have it in my format a little later on. The first thing I want to talk about is this whole subtext with the white horse. God damn it, Rob Zombie! You know what? This is my. I don't have any proof for this, but this is my uh, my own personal opinion on what makes this movie uh, the driving force behind the significance of the white horse. How recently has it been since you have seen a little show called Twin Peaks? Oh, actually, I just did a watch through with my wife, Sarah. 
We didn't get to the the new the return, but the original one, not too long. I love it. So there's an infamous scene where Sarah Palmer sees a white horse in her living room, and it's never explained because David Lynch just loves to to cock tease us with ideas that never really entirely fr- uh, you know flourish. I have this theory with no backing uh, facts to back it up whatsoever. But I have a theory that he was watching Twin Peaks and said, you know what this movie needs? A white horse. What do you think? I could see that. Rob Zombie has good taste. Whether you like him as a filmmaker or dislike him as a filmmaker, that's neither here nor there. The man has good taste. The man loves good shit. I think that's all relative to because... What what is good to one person may not be good to another person, and like it's obvious that he has an absolute love of like dirty, grimy, grindhouse, you know, films from the nineteen seventies that are not exactly what the Halloween franchise was. And we'll, no. as we discuss uh, Rob Zombie, we're going to t- talk about that. But the first thing I want to talk to you about is that both this movie and Rob Zombie's Halloween both have vastly different cuts. And what we're getting right now is the the a, a continuation of the theatrical cut, which is Laurie blows Michael's brains out, and now she's wandering the streets as it's raining and you know, a cop is about to... Uh, you know, pull her off because she's in this like mental haze. But because we're watching the unrated cut, the ending of this movie is different than the theatrical cut, and and we'll we'll get to that when it happens. But I guess my point that I want to get your opinion on is what exactly is canon, and what is not canon, as it pertains to these different cuts of Rob Zombie's Halloween films. Listen, with the Rob Zombie, I'm always going unrated. I'm always going director's cut. That that, that was his original intention and vision. And um, those, to me, are always what's canon in his mind. So the, the alternate cut of Halloween, the original Halloween, has the sympathetic ending, which... I may be in the minority, but I actually think I prefer that ending to the where the cops all show up and he just he just wants to be reunited with his sister and he gets blown away by them, as opposed to the Lori blows blows his brain out brains out. What what's your take on that? I've always liked the Lori blows his brains out. That's just me. It makes more logical sense and it's a better conclusion to a movie, but they do so much to like to build up to that, Michael, the only the only grounding he had to humanity was Angel his, Myers, which is now Laurie Strode. Yeah. And Dang Feck did a good job in like the original when he kills everybody, he's just hanging out with his baby sister. And in the I get why you like it, but I still like where she just snaps and like I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not particularly fond of Michael Myers his interpretation of Michael Myers in Rob Zombie's Halloween. And this may be controversial, but there's something about this particular movie that engages me until I'm actually watching it. So it's a movie that's burrowed itself into my brain, and I can't exactly separate myself from it because I do think about it from time to time. 
because it's too creative to be entirely bad, I guess would be the the best way to put it. But what we're having right now is sort of basically the aftermath of the original you know, 2007 Halloween. We've got cameos from Caroline Williams, who was Stretch in yep. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. We have Octavia Spencer, who... Yeah, uh, who she, gets the shit killed out of her. She, she does. Academy... Dream o- sequence, I guess you can... And this is very clearly all of this was inspired by the original Halloween 2, which 90% takes place I in like how they do give, like, a lip service to, like, redoing the hospital sequence in this scene. Look, listen, there's a lot of shit talked on Rob Zombie's interpretation of Michael, his, uh, both remakes. I don't. doesn't matter what cut you want. There is no reason to remake a movie just to do the same shit over. Whatever you say, however you fall down on it, Rob Zombie did his own thing. Rob Zombie took the shape. Sorry, I have a cough drop in my mouth. Rob Zombie took the shape and made him a madman, a person, a character, a force, instead of just like... With the new Blumhouse uh, trilogy, which I do like. Also, don't get me wrong. Let's redo everything over and over. It's just a killing force, blah, blah, blah. The heat, there's a reason behind these. I also think... I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. That An ambulance he- driver should not have a cigar. I don't care if it's unlit... <laughs> Come on, man. You're, you're, I don't care if there's a corpse in the back. That's uh, Dayton Kelly as the coroner and Richard Brake uh, yeah. as the other guy right here. That's the only about good part F- about the movie 31. I would agree with that. I'm not a big fan of Rob Zombie, some of Rob Zombie's movies, but Richard Brake is a great actor. He's fucking great. Uh, a lot of people contemporarily, or more, uh, not contemporarily, what's the word I'm looking for? In pop culture that's beyond just the horror zeitgeist, probably uh, most people would know him as the Night King from Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. So, um, he has very distinctive features. He's got Gary Busey teeth, and we won't hold that against him (laughs) because because it works his favor. It does. Um, Hold on. We got it. There's one of my favorite random cow. 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 Like, the, the wreck scene in this and how they shot it, it's just some of my favorite shit ever. And I've hit a deer with my car. I had to buy a new car. I had a car that was paid off, and a deer popped up. But I just love how they're all chilling and chilling. Cow, cow, boom. <laughs> That's a savage fucking wreck. I don't care how, they, how you look at it. That shit was brutal. It's probably the most brutal thing in the whole fucking movie. Well, I mean, nobody wants to see a cow get run over. Uh, we want to see it slaughtered humanely to give us delicious steak. Because a cow that gets run over is just a cow wasted. Exactly. But, like, it's so, it's just, you wouldn't think it'd be an inciting incident or, like, the... This, this I is, mean, it's kind of the inside of the incident. Like, this is the jumping off point. Here, okay, well, here's my question to you. Would okay. Michael have woken up between now and there, and the result would have been the same, or would Michael have been taken to the corner and would have stayed dead? Like, like what? He wouldn't have been. Sta- he wouldn't have stayed dead. It would have been a more uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four ending. 
he would have killed the coroner there. But oh yeah, while he's watching an aerobic while video. While he's watching an aerobic video, he kills the nurse. He kills the pervy coroner dude. That's what would have happened. But like, I just love the random savagery in these movies. Like, there's a lot to I. If people hate these movies. I get it. Unless your name is like Eddie, and then you can go fuck yourself. Because <laughs> I'm the Halloween guy, dude. <laughs> I've seen all these movies more than you. I fuck to them more than you. <laughs> I'm just saying everything about them I know more than you but I'm the Freddy guy and I'll take Freddy because I do prefer Freddy over Michael because he's a character but anyway I digress okay well let's let's actually un- unplug that for a second the thing to me that makes Michael Myers scary is that he is not a character he is a force of nature, and we alluded to this a little earlier with Rob Zombie going going against the grain and trying to make Michael Myers a, Mike, Michael Myers a character. Yeah, it makes the first half of Rob Zombie's Halloween more interesting, but it, to me, it makes the second half of that movie less interesting when you give him motivation. I I, I understand. Because you are a man of sophistication and taste, who whose opinion I value, I understand your point. But it's like a really brutal kill right it's now. It's so fucking. Let's just hacking through. Whatever you say, Rob Zombie does great kills. Okay, fuck you if you don't think so. I. But I digress. I'm gonna let me interrupt. God damn it. Let me interrupt. I'm just trying to compliment you and interrupt me. Being wrong. I'm not saying he doesn't do great kills, and I know this is a different continuity. But one of my biggest issues with this movie and the previous movie and even Halloween Kills is that they've made Michael into this, like, brutal murdering machine. And I like the more subtlety of Michael where he's like he's playing with his food. The I'm going to put a sheet on and fuck with this girl just because I'm getting the sick, twisted... Uh, enjoyment Which he also out of it. does in Rob Zombie's Halloween. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just saying that there is a brutality to that version of Michael that I think they were trying. They were trying to get him to the level of like Jason and like other killers. And to me, I think Michael was great and more interesting because. He was more reserved. I have an answer to that. I'm going to stop you and all Please, this. Please, tell me. Tell me. You're only basing that on the first movie, which is a masterpiece. And, oh, and so stop. No. It's the I'm only pretty... movie, and it's the only movie that is canon. Okay. One, uh, across the board. Across the board. Across the board, it's canon. But I'm going to stop you. This is Rob Zombie. And we're only, and I'm not talking about the Halloween Kills thing, which I like as a dumb popcorn fodder movie. They did fuck him. I think the Halloween where they burnt the house down just should have had him die and they should have never done either one of those two sequels. But with Halloween Kills, fuck it, let's just have him a murder machine like Jason because that's the only thing you could do after that. There's a We have a Octavia, Octavia yes, Spencer. Octavia Spencer not baking a chocolate pie. Thankfully. So, do you know about her kill? What about her kill? So, the appliance that they give her was not molded to her. It was literally something that, like, I think it's K&B that worked on these movies, that they had available. 
and they threw it on her and it fit her perfectly because I, and we'll get into this a little later. I, I'm guessing that some of this is reshoots um, per the studio. And one of the positives I want to say about this movie is this opening scene in the hospital. I think this is the closest this movie gets to like genuine dread in terms of like suspense. And you have that feeling that like something is like on your heels and you cannot escape it. I'm glad you say this because this is my whole point about the entire Rob Zombie twofer for these th- these remakes. There's no point in remaking something and doing the same thing. He did his own. He wanted a character. He wanted a character motivated by a, a goal. He wanted his little sister. He wanted the family. And then that branches off differently in this one. Excuse me, I warned you about the cough. But this is not a slasher movie. This this first sequence is the last lip service given to, hey, here's Michael as a slasher. I'm going to give you all a really cool dream sequence to stop. Don't I see you? I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Okay. I'm agreeing with you. And then the rest of it is Rob Zombie living out his maybe overly too obsessed, 70s grindhouse, grimy, I want everything bad feeling horror uh, aesthetic, but it's still something different. It's still an original idea. It's not, if for whatever you say about all the Blumhouse movies, and I even like Halloween Ends because they tried something different, but they didn't go far enough. Hey, let's just stay for the record, and all the, and everybody is entitled to their own opinion. But Halloween Ends had a story. It may not have been the story that you wanted, but at least it had a story. And that's my problem with Halloween Kills. There is no story in Halloween Kills. No, but there's fun kills, man. And, and yes, it's a roller coaster. And, it, and, and if you're going to go one-to-one, the movie delivers exactly what it says it's going to. There are plenty of kills in this. Speaking of kills, uh, we're going to see Octavia go. Spencer it's, bleed out like, right this now. This is like a fucking, like, man, Rob Zombie just really, he brings it. In this opening, like, homage to the original sequel. Just, this is fucking brutal. All right, let's let's talk a little about uh, the technical info of this film. So, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 was released August 28th, 2009, with a budget of $15 million. That's estimated. Damn. Opening weekend is $16,349,565, so it made its budget back in that first weekend. Worldwide gross, $39,421,467,000. That is a huge drop-off from the movie he did previously. Yeah. Now, in horror specifically, when you're talking about sequels, we're always kind of a movie behind per the box office return. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street 4. We all love it. Our good buddy Mick Strong worked yes. on it. But that movie did really well because everybody liked part three. So everybody was just like ready for a new interpretation of Michael Myers. The uh, guy of the time who was coming off of the Devil's Rejects, a movie that is was critically praised and almost universally loved. It's one of the only great horror movies of the odds. I I, I agree. It's the uh, probably the only great horror movie of the odds. 
Uh, made in America. Made in America. Man, yeah, no, fair enough. That so, and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. We're not getting into it. Just, we'll, just move on. We'll, we'll talk about that okay. at a later date. Yeah. So, the anticipation of what Rob Zombie could do with a Halloween movie was very high. I don't, and to this day, I still don't think he was the right guy for the job. That being said, financially, he was the absolute right decision to make because everybody's eyes were on him. Now, when you go into this movie and we have, number one, a reluctant director who didn't want to make this movie to begin with, you have uh, Miramax and Dimension who absolutely did not want Michael dead, which is why there's the kind of the retcon of the first movie where he gets blown in the head, which, you know, for a, a normal human being absolutely would kill you or at least would immobilize you to the point where you're not going to be running around chasing anybody in the sequel. You'd be all Stephen Hopkins up. <laughs> or Stephen Hawkins up. It's not Hopkins. Stephen Hawkins, director not Stephen of... Hopkins. Stephen Hawkins up. That's a movie I want to see. <laughs> is is Michael Myers in a... Um, Electric wheelchair with a, motor, a robotic voice. <laughs> I think we might be tr- we might be going into like a direction that might be a little bit problematic. But you know what? You throw Tom Atkins in there, and you know it's a great movie. I don't any care. any movie is improved by Tom Atkins. Um, you know what? I'm going to say this, and I love I love you, Malcolm McDowell. Don't you think that Tom Atkins should have been Loomis? Honestly, that like I was going to say, my only flaw in his movies was how Malcolm McDowell played Dr. Loomis. And now that you said Tom Atkins, yes, 100%. Should have been. Uh, Tom, At- Tom Atkins should have been Michael Myers. Tom Atkins. <laughs> I agree. Tom Atkins should have been Laurie Strode. I don't care. Tom Atkins should have been anything. You know, But, like, I do, honestly, one of my faults was making Malcolm McDowell like a little prima donna, like, fame whore. Well, that t- did, that's one of the few faults I have with the original. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Malcolm as we continue on. So we're about to see Richard Riley and his one and only little cameo in this movie. I love Richard. Uh, one of the truly great B-movie like character actors of his time. He's one of those guys you'll see him in tons of stuff, and he's one of those like people you're like, I know you, but I don't know your name. Well, you should learn his name. His name is Richard Riley and uh, Hatchet. Um, yeah, I was going to say, uh, I loved him in Hatchet. He's in um, Office Space, like tons and tons of movies. He's very, very talented. And he has this quality about him where he's sort of like a less gruff Wilford Brimley, where you, you want to embrace him and not be like um, so down on him because he may or may not have uh, acute diabetes you know, he, he's Wilford Brimley's uh, happy little brother. I can see that. So they built this shack, and they they gave Tyler Maine a prop axe. Tyler Maine being the gentleman playing Michael Myers, and I guess they didn't build it with balsa wood. They like they they built it as they would an actual shack. So they were kind of like blown away at like how he was able to break this. This Tyler Maine is just a big motherfucker. He, he is a is huge Is he not the biggest being. guy to ever do, Michael? He is. I want to say that he's like... Six, seven? He's six, seven, six, eight, and he's definitely the biggest uh, to date, which, again, 
is one of the things I, oh, I'm not no, really no, no, crazy no, no, about no. it because Michael to me is scary, especially in the first movie because he's just a, he's just an an average person, and you throw a, a mask on him and he can blend in with anybody. It's kind of like what James Cameron wanted to do with the Terminator before he cast Arnold Schwarzenegger. He wanted it to be um, Lance Henriksen. I know. Well, the, the, I know. The studio wanted studio wanted OJ, and they didn't hire him because OJ would never murder anybody. Never. Ha, 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 ha. Ha. Lance Henriksen, on the other hand, uh, other hand, absolutely murders on an ongoing basis, and he gets away with it because he's so loved. And that's and, and we're talking the actor, not the characters. The actor Lance Henriksen is a serial killer. Yeah. And that's Brian, okay. Brian Bremer, our good buddy from Pumpkinhead, told us he murdered a guy on set. Um, he For looking he, at him, yeah, funny. yeah. He looked at him funny, and he was like, "You know what? You know what? I'm going to bury you in this pumpkin patch that we built for this movie." And then they never found his body. So I mean, that's that's canon. That's canon, one hundred percent. That's that's going to be the the plot of the new uh, Pumpkinhead movie I'm uh, writing with Brian Bremer. God, that'd be awesome. Brian Bremer's so great. Shout out to Brian Bremer. Yeah, good, big shout Nicest out. human being ever. True, truthfully. And that actually may not be hyperbole. He may genuinely be uh, the nicest human being. I can definitely say he is the nicest celebrity I have ever met, even beating Jerry Only from The Misfits, who is the second nicest. By the way, oh, uh, yep. Nights in White Satin by the I Moody Blues. I fucking love this song. The, the song choice in the soundtrack. And it comes up over and over again. Like, this is good. Man, Rob Zombie knows his shit. Yeah, it's it's sort of one of those like it kind of it's a soothing kind of it's it's got kind of a an eeriness to it, but it's just it's just calm um, enough yes. to kind of put you um, sort of off kilter. I, I I genuinely like the song choices. Generally, like Rob Zombie makes good song choices. However, I want to say that I think this because he's using music from the past. It doesn't Which date is a movie. What he usually does. It doesn't date a movie as much. But when you put like contemporary music into a movie, a lot of times that can really yeah. date your movie to a specific time period. But you know, using the Moody Blues or in uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween, there's a scene where Annie gets dropped off and they're listening to Heaven and Hell, and I'm like, you know what? You get a thumbs yeah, up. This is a me. great song choice in uh, House of a Thousand Corpses with Brickhouse to the torture of Rain Wilson. <laughs> I mean, the man knows how to get put. Good song choices. Well, who doesn't love the Commodores? I mean, exactly. God, man, he's so fucking huge. I one and this is spoiler alert. Brandon asked me to list my favorite Michaels, and he's not gonna lie. Like he's not at the top, but man, he's just so fucking like for Rob Zombie's vision of this. I fucking love it. I just personally and then, like honestly, this takes place in the two thousands. Well, Why also, the fuck with the Moody Blues be on TV. Also, <laughs> this also, this is a dream sequence, and so this is kind of like a teenage girl dreaming about what a hipster. Oh well, she turns out to be one big she time. Is. Well, I mean, that's the PTSD making her a hipster. Man, we have him legitimately breaking through. An environment that was not meant to, meant to be breakaway. Because he is a fucking beast. I love it. Like, all right, what do you okay. what do you think the IMDb score of this movie is? Out of ten, it's three point two, four point eight. A little better than I thought. I know people hate this fucking movie. I don't hate it. That's spoiler alert. 
I'm not saying it's the best, but I don't hate it. I, I think a lot of... I think the, the, the IMDb rating is as high as it is because certain critics appreciated the fact that they did something different with it. Um, but let's check the Rotten Tomatoes score. Out of 100, what do you think it is? 22. You're close, man. 23. Okay, yeah. I've, and the audience score, do you think it's higher or lower? Oh, it's probably 36. 44%. Okay, that's, yeah, I'm slightly... Medi- there's some cool, cool kids out there. Metacritic, which we oh, often God. hail as the worst aggregate. 99. No. Are we wrong? 35%. Okay, they just were normal wrong. Okay. Now, here's the one that we generally Google. agree with the most. Google users. 65. 75%. It's still, it's still pretty good. Good job, Google. I, I personally don't think I would put it quite that high, but... I would. Like, this movie is flawed. It is flawed from the rip. But why? Alice fucking could. What cool kids have out, cool teenage girls in the 2000s of Alice Cooper posters? I love it. I'm. I, I kind of hate some of these design choices in her room. Yeah. But, I, but hold on. Oh. We will. I'm going to see if I can justify these things as we continue on. However, the one aggregate that we we can't escape is the one that we definitively go by, and uh, that is the Rant Army review. What are listening? Our Rant Army. What they think about this movie? Two options: Rob Zombie's Halloween, good. Rob Zombie's Halloween, too bad. What do you think the Rent Army decided? 75. And 41%. Ooh. You know, I can't even be mad because I like this, but I understand there's a part of me that it's the hipster part that likes. I don't like this as a slasher horror sequel. I like this as a... And only, I'm only specifically speaking about the unrated version as a, a kind of a fuck you to the studio head that want to do this. Uh, a fuck you to the fans like, hey man, come on, let's do something different. There's no point in just rehashing the same shit. But the dynamic between these two, I'm sorry, uh, Daniel Harris and Scout Taylor, Scout Taylor, whatever, as the survivors, I think it's, annoying to poor Brad Dorif. I think it's much, it's much better in this movie than it is in the first one. They they were intentionally written as kind of annoying and typical teenage yeah. girls of the time. They feel more like three-dimensional characters in this movie than they, they did do. in the previous one. Um, and on Fat Tony's hit list, we have 18 kills. 19 if you include Michael. That averages to one kill every 6.05 minutes. I have a question. Are you counting dream sequence kills? I'm not 100% sure if that's included we'll just or not. Go, we'll just go with dream. They're counting it. I believe so. So we have uh, Margot Kidder making a, a cameo yeah. right here. What's your favorite Margot Kidder movie? Uh, it's not a good movie, and it's overly drawn out, but Amityville Horror, I do like, because when it hits, it hits right. Or Superman. I mean, I'm mean, I, I I'm discounting Superman. If you're going to count anything, it's fucking Superman. But if you discount Superman... It's Amityville Horror, which is a very flawed, very bad movie based on a bullshit lie people told. But 
there are a lot of scenes in that movie that I actually just rewatched it like two weeks ago. I I don't hate the Amityville Horror. It is one that I feel like. It's overly it, fond. People think it, of it overly fondly. It's yes, a bad movie. It doesn't hold up no. to the level that it has been presented, but it is a perfectly serviceable 70s haunted house movie. Yeah. And the performances are good. You, yeah, you I gotta, like her. I like Josh Brolin. James Brolin. James Brolin. Whatever. Josh. Josh James, was Josh is the is the dad is the son. Josh was still swimming in his daddy's sack at that point. Was he or I, probably born? He's, he's probably, probably born, born by then. He may have been born. He was in Goonies in eighty four, man. That's true. He just looked very old for his age. <laughs> um so this movie's directed by Rob Zombie, as we've already touched on. Yeah. Um Lords of Salem. Uh until the ending, I think it's actually a pretty pretty I great think it's American Jolly movie. movie. And I love it, and I even still kind of appreciate the ending. But I mean, Rob Zombie is a flawed, a massively talented, broken, flawed filmmaker. Um, House of Thousand Corpses, which so much fun. Fuck I, you if you don't like it. I don't love it, but I, I said like, but I, I can, but I can appreciate it because I can tell you that when that movie was announced. My friend group, you included, we were all very excited for it because we knew how big a, a horror fan Rob Zombie was. And from like the videos he had done and the music he made, he had an appreciation for, you know, not the mainstream kind of stuff, the off the beaten path. And my my opinion of House of Thousand Corpses is sort of, it fluctuates depending on what angle you come at it from. From a narrative film, it is an absolute mess. When you take into consideration how he had to buy the rights back from Universal and and kind of get it back into working shape from not truly being finished with it, I, I think it's perfectly fine. I love all the uh, uh, sort of uh, the allusions to EC Comics, the color choices, all that stuff is fun. His wife is a huge anchor. And um, she may be one of the bigger ones for this one. Okay, he loves his wife. Fuck everybody. I agree. She's not a great actress, but back to fuck off. The man loves his wife. I want to stop you here. I actually heard very recently listening to something else about House of a Thousand Corpses. Somebody described it perfectly. It's as if somebody paid John Waters to direct a Quentin Tarantino movie in the style, and I can't remember the other, the third director. He's like. He's borrowing from so much, but man, like, it's just fun. I think it is an, like, we're right now, we're at the 20th anniversary of House of Thousand Oh my God, we're so fucking old. I know, right? The movie was supposed to come out in like 2000 or 2001. Look, but but it's so long. Sorry, Malcolm McDowell and his assistant, his assistant in this movie, I only love her for her Reno 911 shit. Like, Oh, she was my favorite new addition. She she's and um I can't think of her name. I can't think of her name, but, but God she's damn it, I love she's it. the character who she's such a good actress. May or may not be a lesbian. They yes. never really quite um, nail that down. Yeah, she's great. See, like this is like Rob Zombie dropped the ball in one way and one way only. He really fucked the character Loomis. Like he he fucked the character of Loomis with no lube. We'll talk about it. 
And I don't know that it's necessarily his fault. We'll, we'll get it's to Rob it. It's Rob Zombie's fault, but no. I love Malcolm McDowell's. Malcolm McDowell's we'll, still great in it. We'll get we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, Devil's Rejects, um, critical praise, commercial praise. It's the one movie that I think generally people can agree on is a substantial piece of film. One of the best, if not the best, uh, horror films of the odds. Yeah, as it's you the only earlier. great American original property movie of the odds. You know who was in that movie? Who was in that movie? PJ Souls, who was in Ooh. Stripes with Bill Murray, who was in Ghostbusters. You just got I busted. I just got busted. And of course, Rob Zombie I directed. Her too. She was nice. She is very nice and great tits. But it's weird because when I met her, it was at that horror convention up in Gatlinburg that where I met Ernie Hudson. It was like a, a meeting at like a nice aunt or great relative. But then I'm only thinking I've seen your titties, old lady. Oh my god! Can you think she, she, was, so nice. she was married to Dennis Quaid during that time? Isn't that just weird? Because you don't think about those things. At least it wasn't Randy Quaid and his insanity. Randy Quaid um, is more alive than Dennis. <laughs> so who's Until crazy? The star killer Who, kid him. Who's crazy now? <laughs> the fucking Illuminati <laughs> and their, and their baby blood drinking uh, situations put put uh, Dennis in his early grave. Or or wait a minute, no, is he still alive? They're I'm, both still alive. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of um, fucking uh, Hicks from uh, not Hicks, but shit. Um, what's his name from Aliens? Um, oh fuck! I know who you're talking about. Anyway, let's uh, keep going. Side the point. They're at the cool hipster place where all the cool fucked up alt chicks work. And I'm not gonna lie, when I saw this movie, it totally worked. Like I had so all the boners for you, these weird fucked up alt chicks. Okay, the brunette. She is. Have you seen the Final Girls? Yeah, I love that movie. She's the one that have to keep like putting the life to, like back. She she's the horned up one from the Final yes. Girls and the blonde. That's Brie Grant. Um, I fucking love her. I've loved her for a long time. She is the in Dexter in maybe like season five, season six. She's uh, Masuka's assistant oh, who steals the, yes, uh, the, the, hand the hand and sells it on their version of eBay. I have to say, real quickly, here's the new young Michael, and that's another knock against this movie. Dang Feck, and I can't, I'm, I'm saying his name Dang right? Dang Feck. Whatever the fuck. He was so good as young Michael that this little kid, and they had to do it because kids grow up. I'm going to argue that point. Hold off on that discussion. Well, he's um, wrong. Dang Fick was better. I'm not arguing that point. I'm arguing oh. that he may have not been too old. Let's okay. let's, let's let's halt that. They're called puberty blockers. Parents right. Keep them. Like it or hate it, Halloween 2007 was a huge success. Uh, so a sequel was inevitable. Oh yeah. Rob Zombie originally stated that he would never do a sequel to Halloween. However, he signed on to write and direct. Because he didn't want someone else to ruin his vision because it was announced that they were going forward with the sequel with or without him. Now, there are two different cuts of Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. They're pretty different. So, Fat Tony, if you would be so kind, would you read out the differences between the theatrical cut of Halloween 2 and the unrated cut of Halloween 2? They are massive. Okay, the director's cut runs 14 minutes longer at 119 minutes among the changes. 
The opening scene with Lori walking and Loomis being placed into the ambulance is longer. The hospital dream sequence has an extra sequence of Lori attempting to cross over a pile of bodies. On the title, uh, on screen title that said one year later in theatrical cuts, it now says two years later. During the breakfast scene, Lori and Annie now argue about going to the psychiatrist. More dialogue with Lori and the psychiatrist. Lori uh, looks at a frank, framed ink blot on a wall and says it looks like a white horse. Loomis's, Loomis's press conference is expanded. Loomis discusses Michael's Oedipal complex as well as the idea that Michael perhaps saw Loomis as a father figure. Added sequence where Lori runs a bath and begins to freak out. Lori stopping to play with a pig on her way to work is removed. She instead goes to the psychiatrist and tells her about playing with the pig. We see a few seconds of it now in flashback and how it triggered a nervous breakdown of sorts. Sorts. When the shrink denies her more pills, Lori freaks out and swears. The scene where Annie finds Lori drinking a beer in her room has been expanded. They have another fight. A non-masked Michael, along with young Michael and his mother, angrily looks at a billboard that advertises his Loomis's book. When Lori and Maya come home from the party, there's a short added sequence of them making tea in the kitchen prior to going upstairs. There's also an added scene of Michael apparently walking out of the house. Brackett's reaction to finding... And is this the one I got to hold off on? You can read it, but we're we'll, okay. We'll Brackett's reaction to finding Annie's body is longer, containing video flashbacks of real life actress Danielle Harris as a child. The ending is significantly different. After Loomis enters the cabin, Michael throws him through a wall. The two of them wind up outside. Michael then removes his mask and yells "Die!" and stabs Loomis. The cops then open fire and kill Michael. Lori then comes out, takes Michael's knife, approaches Loomis with it, implying that she may stab him. The cops then open fire on her, seemingly kill her. We then fade to the same hospital footage at the end of the theatrical cut as a cover of Love Hurts plays on the soundtrack. Okay. Lots of shit. That's a a lot of stuff to uncover and unpack right there. Do these changes make for a better better film. The director's cut is infinitely better. The director's cut is a good movie. The theatrical cut of this movie is actively a bad movie. Like, it's that much of a dead... Like, there's only 14 minutes difference and different alternate scenes and takes, but it is, a, it is enough for me to shift it from a movie I like. And I'm not saying I love this. It's very low down on the, the Halloween series... But I still come out generally in favor of it. To the theatrical cut of this movie, I genuinely don't like. It's a bad movie. And I don't like seeing, I think, Bobby from Sons of Anarchy. Um, Peter <laughs> picking on Michael. I, in either cut, because, I mean, I love Sons of Anarchy. It's I, a good I, show. I really like how this scene is lit. Yeah, just well, the headlights. Just It's so... Man, whatever you say, Rob Zombie knows how to compose a shot. Rob Zombie knows how to scene decorate and everything. Like, whether his story, narrative structure, his uh, logic, uh, the scenes, those are all questionable, especially after seeing 31. God damn that movie. But the man knows how to make shit look good. Now, this movie has a reputation 
and we've touched on it a little as we've continued on, as not only being one of the worst Halloween sequels, but also just one of the worst horror movies ever made. So first question, in your opinion, what is the worst Halloween sequel? Uh, Resurrection. That, that goes without question. Fuck everybody. I'm... I definitely think that that is absolutely a contender. Um, and oh no, I, go fuck yourself! It is. You're wrong if you say Halloween Kills. I'm going to, and, and I'm going, <laughs> and I'm going to say it, but I'm going to say it with an asterisk. Halloween Halloween Kills is less embarrassing on its face than Halloween Resurrection is. Halloween Resurrection is <coughs> was a bad idea from the get go. the The dialogue is bad. The it's not filmed well, which is crazy considering it was made by Rick Rosenthal, who did part two. Um, the ending is lackluster. Like there's like very little redeeming about that movie. But the one thing it has going for it that Halloween Resurrection, I'm sorry, Halloween Kills does not is that it at very least has a story. It's not a good story. It's an embarrassing story. But in a traditional filmmaking sense, it has a better three-act structure than Halloween Kills. If Halloween Kills were a fan film, I would be singing its praises from the mountaintop. But the fact that a studio put a movie out that is literally just the... It's the, it's the, it's the equivalent of a Greatest Hits compilation CD of your favorite band. And you know what? Here's the thing about those. Greatest Hits CDs are not made for fans, like diehard fans. They're made for the general audience. So, on its face, yeah, if you like that movie, I get it. Because you're seeing the stereotypical, stripped-down things that make a slasher movie entertaining. That being the kills, the stalking, so on and so forth. But the the standard of Halloween movies, when they're done right, part two, uh, part one, part two, part three, which is not really applicable in this sense, uh, part four, to a way lesser extent, part uh, H2O, these movies tried to elevate the storytelling to to a, a higher degree than like Friday the 13th. And I think Kills is the worst in that regard. But I'm still going to say begrudgingly, mind you, that Resurrection is still the worst Halloween no. movie. Yes. Oh, uh, Resurrection is the Pay worst? Pay attention to what I'm saying. I'm I, say it's very important. I thought you were still arguing kills, because I was going to say, bust around Kung Fu's Michael, you lose no matter what if you don't say it's the worst. I still don't like kills, but Resurrection is, is so embarrassing. Is just fun if you just let go of your preconceived notions like that. Okay, i got to stop. This is where Brad Dorf is trying to connect with two teenage girls over pizza and their veganism and wokeness. And just <laughs> bless his heart. Like, I genuinely love this scene as a scene of, like, family bonding. Like, that's what makes all the shit that happens later so much more effective. Two things about this scene. Number one, <coughs> the two girls, you see them eating. You never see Brad Dorf eating because he is an old fucking pro. And he knows that scenes like this, where there's a lot of quick cuts and shot reverse shot, yeah. that um, it's going to take a long time. So he realizes that if he eats, 
that he's going to get filled up really quick. So he never takes a bite. But secondly, and I'm going to say this definitively, whether you agree with me or not, Brad Dourif is the best actor in this movie. Oh, fuck yeah. No, I was going to say, I'm, this was what I was saving for later when we discuss it later. This is probably, as a performance and stuff, like my second favorite Brad Dourif after One Flew Over the Fucking Cuckoo's Nest role. Which nabbed him so an Academy good. Award. It did nab him an Academy Award. But, like, he is so good in this movie as a guy trying to make the best of, like, raising his daughter who was attacked and almost killed and her best friend after, like, the most horrific thing you could imagine. And then it comes back again, and he loses his daughter, and everything goes so bad. And you see this. And now, I love the Chucky shit. That's vocals. That's, like, I'm talking about as an actor on screen, as a person. Like, I fucking love him in this movie. He's greatly underrated on any on any production he's been a part of. How he didn't become like the number one, number two go-to character actor. It makes me really sad because just think what he could have done in like a Scorsese movie and like Goodfellas. How, what, how Goodfellas would have been benefited from a guy like Brad Dourif? Hell yeah. Fuck um, uh, Ray Liotta. Put Brad Dourif <laughs> in there. You still got to have Joe Pesci. You got to have Joe Pesci. Like I'm a clown. I'm here to amuse you. Um, you know who the, uh, it's not the same movie, but you know who, uh, benefits Casino? Joe Bob Briggs. Damn right. But, you know, they could have put fucking, um, uh, shit, Brad Dourif in that Brad movie. Brad Dourif could have been, like, Brad Dourif could have, Brad Dourif could have played Sharon Stone's role in Casino. I think Brad Dourif should have played. dreamy. Okay, now, so I'm going to stop. This is, like, the weird shit people bitch about, and, like, a, like, the window into the mind of Michael's madness, and yes, okay, Sherry Moon's not great, but man, this man loves his wife, so fuck all you, that's my, that's my always defense, and I do think she was great in the Monsters, <laughs> I do, fuck all y'all, genuinely, she's perfectly fine to play the I don't have an, the I don't have enough time to tell you everything wrong with the monsters. The you performances the up. performances are not what's wrong it's with that movie. It's from love. The whole thing's anyway. Again, now, this is like my this is the main flaw of this movie. It's weird random shit that would never be on TV is on TV. I that, that I don't even the, I'm going to argue why this stuff makes sense when we get to a proper point. He's so, gonna do all this bullshit that he's just wrong about. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this movie required viewing for certain people when I make my case for it's it. Good. I think. Fuck you, Eddie. I you think, don't get Halloween. I'm taking <laughs> Halloween from you. I'm the Freddie and Michael guy now. I think I've made it pretty clear that I'm not a huge fan of Rob Zombie's Halloween, and I can't say that I entirely love Halloween too. And this is a badonkadonk-sized butt. But Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, for me, falls into this unique category of a film that it's like it's too muddled to be truly good, but it's too unique to be truly bad. Halloween 2 reminds me a lot of like The Exorcist 2 that's like so bizarre that it kind of has to be respected simply because of how ambitious it is. No, Exorcist 2 sucks. It does... But it was directed I mean, yeah. by a fucking master. We love Zardoz here on this podcast. Zardoz. The gun is good. The penis is bad. 
But you you have to appreciate the visual style of that movie, and and in the same way, I have to appreciate the fact that as self sabotaging as it is, because this is the last movie that Rob Zombie got to make that was promoted as an A list film. Yeah, and he sort of sabotaged his own career creatively because he didn't want anybody to do a sequel to, to his shit. to his now own movie. That. You know what? Um Rob, uh, Rob Zombie, I'm going to give you a little bit of credit for that. But at the same time, you said remakes were pointless, yet you made one because they threw enough money at you and then when someone wanted to make a sequel to your remake, you got a little PO'd about it. So I I'm half in half out on Zombie in that regard. I'm going to stop you. That's Brandon. Brandon hates shit unless he likes shit. And then there's like the random, oh, I don't want people to fuck with my shit, so I'll do my shit. You remind me a lot of Rob Zombie. I'm not saying that we don't share a lot of the same things, but here's the thing. If somebody offered me a blank check or even just a substantial amount to remake like Friday the 13th, I would do it. But I probably would regret doing it. But I wouldn't protect, uh, wouldn't regret taking that check. But if they offered me the choice to do Ghostbusters, I'd make the best fucking Ghostbusters movie you ever saw. And if you disagree with me, you'd be wrong. I, I'm getting that. I was so excited. Like we were originally talking about this month doing Ghostbusters Afterlife. We're still going to do it. We're going to do, do it eventually. But like. Like to prepare, I watch that movie again. And I still will cry at two points in the movie every time. So when we do it, prepare to hear like hear a fat man cry. Okay. Um. With all okay, the, okay. The, the, Here is a massive flaw of the movie. Like her little toilet seizure. Well, that's just, you fed Chipotle the night before. Uh, Chipotle is very tainted. I had to do a whole report in college on it. So, okay, never mind. You're right. I mean, that's... That's what happens when you try to be a vegetarian. That's not a Taco Bell convulsion. That's a Chipotle convulsion. And you know what? (laughs) It's it's earned. It's earned. Okay. Okay. So, everything I've said, neither the theatrical cut or the unrated cut... Has was basically intended as what Rob Zombie wanted for this movie. Now, this movie was sort of snake bit from the get go. So let, we're talking about the many hurdles this movie had to deal with. When Rob had a few days worth of footage shot, he shipped it off to be developed. Oh, yes. And at the start of production, the film canisters were X-rayed at the airport and. They ruined the the film reels, which forced several days to be reshot. So this instantly put them, God. you know, basically in the, was it red or? In the red. In the yeah. red. Yes. And when it comes to their filming schedule. Production was so troubled uh, that Rob Zombie, he just frequently clashed with the Weinsteins, which, you know what, considering what we found out about Harvey Harvey Weinstein. He's a hero now. This movie's a hero movie. Rob Rob is a hero, not Harvey. Let's just further... No, Rob is a hero, yes, not Harvey. (laughs) Harvey's a monster, and I hope he's getting, like, stuff put in his butthole in prison, but he's rich enough, he's probably not. Well, you know what, I, you know, what money, what amount of money is it going to Take are we going to start a GoFundMe to to pay someone in prison to put to a fucking Harvey Weinstein 
in a way I don't that, want him shanked. I don't want him killed. I want him raped. Yeah, uh, aggressively and over and over. Um, for every woman that he, you know, stifled her career and abused, God. he should be raped 20 times. So, no lube. Either way, if this movie caused Harvey Weinstein any stress, it's a win. So, one of the uh, major uh, interferences that the Weinsteins played on this movie was that they cut like two weeks. From the schedule. So, I don't know if you know about, like, movies. Generally, like, they'll have, like, a 30 or 40-day shooting yeah. schedule. That's... That Two right weeks there, is a hump. That's half the movie gone. Half the movie gone with already a week's worth of shooting lost. Um, in addition to the studio interference that compromised the production, Rob Zombie also... He was suspecting that crew members were, like, stealing money from the budget. There's nothing substantial about this that made just him being, like, overly... Paranoid. Paranoid. But then again, Hollywood is a fucking crazy place, so who the hell knows? Maybe. Um, The film was scheduled to be released Halloween of 2009 to capitalize on the holiday, but the film was abruptly pushed back two months ahead of schedule to be released in August, which is like the basically like the end of blockbuster, blockbuster season. season. This is a, is a horrible time to put out a horror movie. So my first question is like, did that affect the box office yes, of this movie? Yes, it 100% did. Nobody wants to go, man, it's summertime, we're cruising, vacation, let's watch Halloween 2. No. I saw this movie opening day. I I so I saw it like within a week. I think the uh, the the built-in crowd were going to see this movie regardless of when you put it out, but the the general audience yeah. that goes to these movies that pushes them over that 100 million dollar range like I think they need the their coals, you know, lubed a little bit with yeah. some lighter fluid before they get on fire for something. So I do think that the the time frame in which this movie was released absolutely hurt its performance. But I also think that after seeing the first movie that that divided fans. Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm sure... I like... Okay, I've, I've championed a little too hard for the first one. If people give me legitimate reasons, like, I don't like Rob Zombie's remake, I get it. I'll, I'll let it go. I like it. It's the only excuse I'd see for a remake. If you really ask me, the Blumhouse new trilogy was just kind of a re- another remake, requel, legacy thing. <sighs> they should have done... Okay, they could have done, what, 2017? When did the, the first Blumhouse one come out? It was 2018. 2018. They could have done that and been done and not done any of the other two. And it would have been fine. But, like, this at least gives, like, artistic reason. And this also shows that two girls living together are, are toxic and bad. And I've seen it. <laughs> friends. It's, 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 like, this, honestly, like, watching this gives me stress about, like, you know, when Sadie and Evelyn were fighting. Or, or Amelia and Michelle. Shout out to my stepdaughter. Uh, homecoming queen at Chucky Doak High School. Oh, let's, let's hell yeah! We're gonna do a, a little shot to her. Uh, openly had her uh, wife escort her. By the way, you were talking about the monsters earlier. We have Herman Munster right here on screen. Damn right. Jeff. Okay, this is when the movie really hits its. Fuck you if you think this is a slasher. This is a trash movie. You know, this is a 
grindhouse exploitation. I'm going to do whatever just to fuck any other chance of any other sequel coming up. We also have the gentleman who played Grandpa yeah. and the, the monsters here, who my generation uh, would remember from the hit series Matlock. <laughs> being one of yeah. uh, one of uh, Ben Matlock's uh, cohorts in his endeavor to um, defend people who have been uh, prosecuted for murder, and you know I should have looked it up, but this woman she looks so fucking familiar, and not she's probably been in a bunch of stuff. She, I mean, I, I'm just speaking from experience. God, we're such misogynists. Does does, does she not look like someone who like? works at like the mouses here in Knoxville. She's very I'm not saying she's trashy, but I'm saying That's she, exactly what he's saying by this. I but am, yeah, I, I can I kind am, of but but she she's not attractive enough to like Look, Fat Tony wields the diamond instead of fuck hammer, but he's been to a strip club three times in his life and every time is the most depressing shit I've ever been to. And I could see her being sad. Yeah, and this is like she, her last resort. I'm saying that the, the actress is well cast. I'm saying that this is this. Enjoy she's, the fucking herpes, old man. She's more representative of an actual stripper you would see in yeah, Knoxville, Tennessee, yes. or in Haddonfield, Illinois, or Johnson City, Tennessee, because they 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 took um God it, it fuzzy it, holes fuzzy holes is now a new mouse. They reopened it as a mouse's ear. What? I know. I went to college with the daughter of the lesbian couple that used to own Fuzzy Holes. This right here, this kill. I know we don't do like our our, our uh, scores and ratings. It's so over the top and fucking crazy. I'm going to give it a 10. Like how many movies do you see a man's head just stomp the fuck in completely? Not enough. Not enough. You know, as many times as I've seen Remains of the Day, I always thought that like, a movie like that would really be improved by a good head-stomping scene. Exactly. You know... You know Pollyanna? Under, Pollyanna, yeah. Uh, Anna Green Gables. Anna Green Gables. Um, Swiss Family Robinson. Uh, the first Ernest movie, Ernest Goes to Can. Hey, no, no, no. That's a perfect movie. We don't fuck with it. We can do no. Ernest, Ernest Saves Halloween or Lyle, Christmas or Lyle Alzado, who... Makes Ernest cry because he gets his ass kicked. Would you not cheer that movie a lot more at the end of it? Uh, still, it's a perfect movie. Don't do you? Don't you? Well, I can't. I, I wish can't you... even for the bit. I can't even for the bit <laughs> talk shit on uh, Ernest Goes to Camp. That's such an integral part of my childhood. It is. A, it is an amazing movie. Um, one last thing. One change. The theatrical cut was reshot. Forced by the Weinstein's. The original ending saw all the principal. Uh, the, the principal characters. Lori, uh, Michael, and uh, Loomis all killed off. But they wanted to keep the possibility of a sequel open, so Zombie was forced to reshoot the ending where Lori survives instead. Well, that's what rapists want, so it's all good. Only 50% of the wives times are convicted rapists, so... He knew. But, well, yeah, probably. We didn't want to get ourselves sued, but you know what... What's the other one? Hey, man, there's no such thing as bad press. Harvey, it's true. It's true. We should go. We should get um, a big lawsuit. To Tom Cruise and the other Weinstein brother. Come on, sue us. I can't even think what his name is. Uh, Harvey. Not, and, not uh, Harvey. Not Harvey. It's not Harvey. Not, like that, like Tyler. Ma- okay. Again, it's weird. Michael doing a kill out of the mass. Mommy. Oh, God damn. Sherry. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. 
She doesn't even like horror movies. She only did it because her husband wanted her to. She is very attractive. I'll, I'll give him that. Like if you're gonna if you're going to ruin I'm sure your movies, she's a good person too. And she can't just be in all these because she's hot. That he has to genuinely love her as a person because he has really fucked up some of his. But Lords of Salem, I like her in. I think that's the most tolerable that's, that she's been in no, the movie. She's good in it. I won't even say. I that I won't I won't go that far because there are points Jeez. where like the movie could be great when I think that she goes a little too hard. But yes, titties, titties from uh, sad strippers, and then he's. He's putting on his uh, oh, Frankenstein, Frankenstein monster. Frankenstein monster. Oh, God. He's... Rob Zombie real, real, loves trashy people. Real question. Uh, what? How? Have you ever wore a costume and fucked somebody? Oh, yeah. Uh, what costumes have you wore? Because I got it. Was, I got, uh, I it was still... a Freddy Krueger. Oh, man. I had a Freddy Krueger mask with glove. Did you use the glove? No. The, the glove is a real shitty one. Uh, I kind of scratched the back, but the, yeah, and, um, um, also, I was, like, in just Halloween monster makeup once, well, like aside, zombie makeup. Aside from Ghostbusters-related stuff, I had a Mil Mascaris, um, uh, Mexican wrestler mask. A what? Mil Mascaris, which means... Mil Mascaris. Which means a thousand masks. Okay, I don't know. The man sorry. of a thousand masks, and, um, <sighs> that was, that was so much fun. Because they were not into it whatsoever. <laughs> that's that's bad. All my bit, all, all all my lovers were into it. I did, I didn't give them a choice. I didn't I didn't go Harvey Weinstein or anybody. I was, just I was for about the to make the joke, so I'm glad you cut me off from it. Yeah, they they were not. Oh God, in. this arm break is so fun. Like, okay, whatever you say, this scene is savage as fuck. His face is fucked. That look, that's chewed bubble gum hanging up on wires. I like okay. Michael is a lot less effectively scary when he's in the mask and not a jumpsuit. But Jesus Christ! Yeah, we haven't just, really talked about it. Let's talk about like the, the Hobo Myers. Hobo Myers doesn't work for me, but still, I again, he's doing something different. All these other movies. And when you even ask me to rank, I'll explain why. Like, I probably should have ranked Tyler Main higher now that I'm watching this again. God dang it. So, as we see this uh, lady, uh, quote unquote, get her face smashed into a, a mirror repeatedly. Um, all the things that I have told you that, that were changed about this movie... There are quite a few. Yeah. Do you do you feel like these changes resulted in an overall better product? Like they changed it to the theatrical. Are you asking I'm me if about I the, think the, the theatrical's the, better or the, the original? The the cho- the things that were forced upon um, Rob. Do you think that those those changes resulted in a better movie or? Is I this is this cut the the preferred version of the movie? This is absolutely the preferred cut of the movie. Like I like I just said a few minutes ago, the theatrical cut that they were forced to release in theaters that I saw, and I was like, man, I don't like this. I I left the theater seeing this opening week. I didn't see opening weekend. Something kept me from seeing opening weekend, but I saw it within the week. I'm like, oh man, they really kind of like. 
they like cut its balls off. Essentially, I hate saying it like that, but like they like like they clipped its claws, and then I saw like the day it came out on DVD director's cut. I bought it and watched it. I'm like, holy shit, this is so much better. I and I remember enjoying. So I can actively I, say I'm kind of half in half out because I'm not crazy about the ending of this version of the movie, but I think every other change. Fair for, enough. for the most okay, part, yeah, no, no, no. For the most part, I think it is a positive. You shouldn't see Michael's face. I'm sorry. I'll give you that. You should not ever see Hobo Michael's face. If uh, Hobo Michael has the mask on, he should keep it on for the rest of the fucking movie. That I'll, that's the only thing I'll give you. Um, and this is absolutely a subjective question, but it's one that I want to ask because I have a, okay. a strong opinion about it. But I'll let you uh, answer okay. first. Is Rob Zombie a good director? <sighs> okay. Let me fully flesh out. He is a great director, but is he a good writer <laughs> and story? No. The man can frame his shots well. He can make shots look pretty. He's, his editing skills are even good. It's always in story and plot where he drops the ball. I think you pretty much said exactly what I wanted to say. I think Rob Zombie, from a strictly visual standpoint, is a true talent. Which is by sheer osmosis of having seen every movie ever and having worked firsthand on music videos, he understands the And Pee Wee's Playhouse. And Pee Wee's Playhouse. Okay. Um he he understands the the importance of a visual. I just I would like to see Rob direct a movie that he didn't write. And maybe Maybe it would end up being disastrous, but truthfully, I don't think it could be any more disastrous than a couple of the actual movies he wrote. I kind of feel the same Free way. from Hell and 31. I feel the same way about him that I do about um, M. Night Shyamalan. Hold on, stop. This is a great, like, the, the, the dad from uh, the one of the victims from the first That's one. That's Christina Clibb, who was yeah. in our uh, Halloween 20, uh, 2007 episode. Yes, but, uh, like, I love this scene where he's confronted with the exploitation. Like, this is Malcolm McDowell. This is Rob Zombie doing it right. This is one of the scenes where you take all the exploitation, all that away. This is a... When the man's screaming, you butchered me, he butchered my baby, and all that. Like, the Rob Zombie stumbles ass backwards into great scenes sometimes. I, I like the idea of this scene. I don't like the way it's shot. Oh, I love and, the way it's shot. Well, like, now, frenetic well, and right in the face. And, and this is why. Because there is no, there's no t opportunity for you to to either feel the pain of the, the father or the remorse of... Um, Loomis. of Loomis because it's just it's just edited to pieces and I'm assuming that's because the rush schedule forced them into shooting it that way and that's way. how this scene would play out in real life though there wouldn't be time 
to no, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying that like I would apply. I would like to have seen it played out in a wide shot where you could you could get okay, a, a sense okay, of like the surroundings and how everybody else is reacting to it, and then you have a couple of close ups to see in the eyes of the people. I just it's it's modern editing, and that's more of a personal uh, quibble, I guess, than necessarily a uh, structural one. But I, I just feel oh, like... like I, this is the point in the movie where she's finding out that she is Michael Myers' sister. So that is, that's something that was not revealed to her in the first movie. It came out in the book in the second one. And I kind of like this kind of sets her path inevitably to doom through the rest of this movie with Hobo Michael. Yeah, it it definitely is the uh, the the fuse that lights the the dynamite. Yeah, it really is. Situation. Like, like, Rob Un, has unless to... unless things are not as they seem. Bum bum bum. I'm gonna talk about it soon. Now continue uh, what you're saying. Well, I'm just saying, like all these hipster bitches. <laughs> all right, um, Rob Zombie's films are in their own continuity, and. A lot of people that like, especially like the the, the traditionalist, they don't like them. However, I would like to present Fuck you, Eddie. I would like to present. No, I think Eddie likes the the at least Rob Zombie's Halloween. No, y'all talk mad shit on that. I listened to that episode fuming the whole I, time. I talked mad shit about he it. He did too. He was less he was vitriol less than vitriolic, I had. but he neither one of y'all landed on that it was a great movie. But and it is. I would like to postulate something that I think that may okay. may help these movies find their own place. Do you think that in the continuity specifically of the, of Halloween, Halloween 2018 and, and those movies that Rob Zombie's movies exist within that universe as a movie, as the, the tawdry, Ooh. really nasty version of, of of things because they have this exploiting the story. Yes, it for the thing. I I kind of like that idea. I like this a lot because I'm not going to lie. It's exactly what somebody would do to to capitalize off of a real situation. It's kind of like um when they did the uh, Helter Skelter movie with still Steve Rails back, yeah. you know, it kind of has an unseedy kind of nature to it. And it's not really, uh, not really nice to like the people who live through that, but it, but it's still grimy and nasty and yeah. fun in its own right. So does that, do you think that that like might be the avenue for people to enjoy these movies that wouldn't normally if they viewed them as Look, this is the movies that were made if you within are that universe? Such an internet fanboy, fan person that you have to find ways to fit in everything and everything. If this helps you enjoy these movies, that these movies are the fiction of the Blumhouse remakes, then do it because you know. These are not movies that should not just be... They shouldn't be universally shit on. The only one that should be shit on is Resurrection past, like, the opening scene. The opening scene is fucking great in Resurrection. Everything else... Although, and this is where I'm going to give that that cuck, Travis Laster, some mad props. His jokes through y'all's review of that, and then at the end where he's like, yeah, I've never seen this till just now... Like I, I laugh so hard I almost wrecked my car. 
So good well, I'm glad to know that Travis Lasseter is good for anything. He's, uh, he's good as a he's a great cuck. <laughs> I just like saying, like, but sorry about your wife, buddy. You're you're probably great. Uh, she she's off right now, so he's actually getting to, to do things other than like go to a boat cotillion or other like uh, super white guy things. Uh, she real, probably real, pegs him real quickly. Oh, she absolutely does. He loves that. Um, really quickly though. We have Weird Al in this Weird movie. Al. Weird Al's only uh, thing that he requested to be in this movie is that he got to pick his own wardrobe. So, um, Weird Al getting his weird cameo. Hell yeah. And we have yeah. Chris Hardwick, who was in uh, House of Thousand Corpses for Rob yep. Zombie. Um, let's talk about, real quickly, because I, I think I have probably the most to talk about specifically of, really, this is not Michael's movie. This is Laurie's movie. Oh, we yeah, have absolutely. Yeah, Scout okay. Taylor Compton as Laurie Strode. Um, Acting-wise, I mean, she's she's had a, a substantial career in terms of, like, working, but as far as, like, uh, headlines, spotlight, you know, things that she's been a part of, not really a lot. She, did, she was Lita Ford in the Runaways movie, and most recently, she voiced Julie in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game, which, so, she's ingratiating herself to, to horror fans. God, but I sucked so bad at that game. It was, it was so bad. I, I, I've been playing it quite a bit. It's it's a lot of fun. It's I got two kills as a family killer, and I only escaped once as a victim. Yeah, it's it's definitely a learning curve. It doesn't hold you. I didn't get to play a lot. I only got to play it like over one weekend. But but uh, Julie, her that that specific character, she's really good at stealth, which is funny because her boobs are fucking enormous, and uh, you have to squeeze through all these tightened areas. So I don't know how you think about that. This is their trailer moment right here. Yep, we have the little kid. Like, are you a giant? He is a fucking (laughs) giant. Yeah, especially compared to this little child who, obviously, the, the parallels is he's yeah, dressed as a clown. clown Michael. And the, the symbolic of his innocence, you know, once yeah. upon a time. Uh, Scout is going to be forever linked, linked to these Halloween movies, for better or for worse. But she, I don't know if you know this, she auditioned for the role of Jenna in the remake of Friday the 13th. Um, the role ultimately we uh, ultimately went to Daniel Danielle Panabaker, but it kind of makes you think. So, my question to you: uh, Do you think that getting cast in Friday Thirteenth would have helped her career, or would it have like hurt her career worse than it already was from being typecast because of oh, this yeah, movie? It hurt. It hurt. Like the sad thing is, okay, in the first movie, she's okay. She is. She's adequate. She is the the good little girl going through a hard time. And this one, she gives a good performance of somebody trying to rebel themselves out of PTSD and then learning that the person that caused all that PTSD killed who she thought were her parents and her friends is her brother. Like she does a good job. Well, let's talk that. let's just talk about it because I think this is the saving grace of this film narratively, and that's the PTSD angle. It's something that's never dealt with, like in sequels, ever. And, yeah, yes. I mean, yeah, we get glimpses of it in like Halloween H two O, in Scream two, Scream three, but he hates Scream. But I do, good but movies. but 
it's never to the, the degree that it is in this yeah, movie, which that, which is probably more realistic of somebody that's like had been brutalized to the point that they were brutalized that would completely killed. destroy their it would destroy their life essentially. At least yeah. it would be and hard to overcome. And it does. Like she's she lives with a friend who barely survived, and and her father who's a sheriff, but it's not her home. Her adoptive and, father. Her adopt. You know, she's just. Trying to find a way out. These girls dressed in these. I want to go to a Halloween party. Like I've been to a lot of fucking like hell. I've never just no random topless Halloween ladies to yeah. monster rock. And and um the fucking girl from the final girls that was the the horned up uh is, 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 dre- is dressed um, as Frankenfurter. You're making my penis all confused. And then Daniel Harris, who was one of my initial childhood crushes in life, she's the responsible girl. And has the worst fate in this fucking movie. We'll definitely get it to it. It made me so mad. Yes, I, I'm probably choke up and cry some. So, the, the, this whole PTSD angle, I like it. I do think that even though it, it's serviceable to the movie, I think it And would, here's him again. Oh, I'm sorry. There's uh, the Munster guy again. Yeah. As a different character. Just Seymour, Uncle and Seymour really was very drunk in this thing. Yes, and originally this was supposed to be Bill Mosley, but for yes. scheduling conflicts, he could not make it. Um, do you recognize the design of the makeup? Uh, no. That's Vincent Price from the movie Madhouse. Oh, God. Yeah, that, that, that was absolutely intentional. It's not my favorite Vincent Price movie, but I put it up there kind of in the middle echelon of, like, really good yeah. ones. Um well, I get a lot of uh, Suicide Girl-esque uh, fake boobies on the stage. Yep. Um, so, this PTSD angle, the the nature of the film kind of having this dreamlike quality, and then you're trying to do this like super realistic thing with her, I think they're kind of at odds with one another. I think ultimately it does make the movie better. But do you think that, like, if this movie had played it a little more straight, where, like, maybe, just go with me, go with me on a journey I'm, I'm for a listening. second, I'm... that maybe if, like, Michael was dead, definitively dead, and this is just not a box okay. office question, this is a creative decision, which they already kind of went off the rails with to begin with, but if Michael had been definitively dead, and it's her just putting her life together and it was played a little more realistically, would those things have more weight or would it just bog the movie down? I think in the situation you're describing, I think it bogged the movie down. But in the, in the context of this, I love it. I think her performance is almost too good for this movie, to be honest with you. I, I I love this idea because it's just something that we don't get to see. And you think about like all of the like Nightmare on Elm Street movies and the Friday thirteenth movies, like all these characters that kind of just like shuffle off beyond the frame after their movie is over and like what happened with them? You know, did they get locked up because they couldn't convict anybody else? So it's like, well, we have somebody here, let's put them behind bars just to put the you know, society at ease, and then you have somebody that, like, definitively survived, and you have a body that gets shipped off to the morgue, you know, it, it hit a cow and didn't get delivered, Yeah. but what if you dealt with this movie in, like, is Michael out there, is he not out there? Would that 
enhance this movie. In this movie, the Rob Zombies continuity, no. But there was even, no, no, because there was even talk of, like, some of the other Halloween sequels being, like, the collective fear and basically creating a tulpa of Michael, and that might work in this, but Rob Zombie is down and dirty and nitty and gritty. I'm going to, this this is what I think saves this movie from from my point of view. At the end of this movie, you see Laurie in the mental institution. In my continuity... She kills Michael in part one, and she has been in the crazy house ever since, and this is all in her head. That that accounts for all the weird paranormal stuff. It accounts for uh, her uh, mental instability. It kind of covers all your bases, and because there's no sequel, it, it gives you a firm, definitive end. I think that kind of ties up this this continuity with a nice little bow. And to me, that makes the whole idea of somebody dealing with the grief all the more palatable because they're, they're, the, the trauma is over. This movie is about someone dealing with the horrible things that happened to them, but in a more uh, emotional and uh, mental way than a physical way. Because if the threat is always going to be there, then it, to me it's just another slasher movie. If it is internalized, and this is a movie that is more ethereal, to me I think that kind of I think that makes this movie better. I, I'm I'd like you can think what you want to think, but I'm about to defend Rob Zombie and destroy your argument with this. None of this would logically be in her head. She just envisioned. A whole thing where some incel who didn't realize how lucky he was getting with the chick DTF was going to go were murdered and then the chick murdered. I think everything, it, it ends with her in the institution or dead. Like you could do the whole dead thing and that's her dying vision or she's in an institution completely broken. That's the only way that makes that work. If you're going to make Michael Myers, a, Michael Myers a character who can survive a gunshot blast to the head, where he is 100% human, this is the only way I can make sense of this, is oh. if this is all in her head. It, However, if if he is not, if he is the personification of evil, and it is a persisting thing, then you have demystified your boogeyman and just made him... Invincible for the sake of spinning out sequels, so that's that's my standpoint. I you, like you can say what you want. I, I take the sequel as is, as given. God, I've been that kind of drunk before, lost in places. But, I'm just I'm just never, saying there there's nothing that necessarily discredits what I'm saying. Yeah, because there's 800 scenes in this movie where she's not involved in. If it's in her head, it's a really elaborately, elaborately stupid mental hallucination. I mean, and now there's all this shit, too. Between, between dreams and just being whacked out of your mind, I, I don't know that it's too far of a leap to make that, that this is all in her head. I mean... God, I don't like just saying I'm wrong just now after one bad 
man, maybe you shouldn't do this kind of shit in a movie, Rob Zombie, but fuck it. You do what you do you. But um, we're also live on mic. This is an after dark. I have to admit, I have a girl's bladder. I'm going to sneak this chair up real quick. Are you? And I'm going to go piss. Oh, well, you, you do that. Um, I'll sit down like a good girl, daddy. So here's some things uh, I'm going to point to that to to back up my argument. Your so, argument's wrong. This really happens. Is Lori the actual killer in this movie? No, Lori's not the actual fucking... Hey, go piss, go piss. Hey, I'll, I'll talk Daniel loudly. Harris is the reason that points out she's not. A popular fan theory... Um, is that Rob Zombie's original intention was that Michael Myers died and Laurie shot him and all of his appearances in the film were hallucinations. In the end, it would have been revealed that all the murders uh, that Michael committed in the film were actually committed by Laurie and she hallucinated Michael committing them due to developing a dissociative identity disorder because of the trauma of the first film and... Genetically, genetically disposed to mental illness because being a direct line to Michael, who definitely had something going on wrong in his head. Lori's inclination to insanity has been confirmed by Zombie in his commentaries of the making of. So even though my theory is not 100% concrete, he does lend himself to the idea that Lori could be, some of this, be in her head. No, so, fuck you and fuck Rob Zombie too. Rob Zombie made this movie, so <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> the only thing I'm using as disproof against all of this is, um, God, Daniel Harris dying right here. There's no fucking way. Well, let's talk a little bit about Daniel Harris. Annie Brackett. Um, obviously, Jamie Lloyd in Halloween 4 and 5. She was Mary Beth Dunstan in ha- Hatchet 2 and 3. We love those movies. Even though Halloween 5 is not great, she's great in it, even though they made the stupid decision to have her not speak through a good portion of the movie. I hate I hate that movie, but it's still... <laughs> I don't hate it, but I, I dislike it. It's I still have nostalgia for it, even though that like it is... I remember the marketing... Michael Unmasked, because there's like a two-second scene where you see And here we have the reveal, her seeing Michael. This? Well, it's... I was so mad. It's going to come up what you're specifically referring to. (sighs) Slow motion, I think I'm not crazy about it in this instance. Because that is digital slow motion. That's not. Yeah, they didn't film it to be in slow motion. Yeah, so I, I think that is a like on the on the day decision just to extend a scene that didn't necessarily need to be extended. So, in terms of like well loved people in the Halloween franchise, to me, there's really there's only three. There's Loomis. Played by Donald Pleasance. Absolutely. There's Jamie Lee Curtis from, you know, multiple iterations of the film. And there's Daniel Harris who kept the series afloat in a time when, you know, it was probably a little little past its prime. It came back to prominence. I mean, it got brought back with her. 
Like it was three and then nothing for years and then the return of Michael Myers. But even then, slasher films were on the decline. On the decline. So they didn't. They weren't able to uh, properly capitalize off the off the success of of horror films that were going on at the time because they kind of shot themselves in the foot with Halloween three. Even though it's a masterpiece, it's one of the greatest movies ever made. All hell, Tom Atkins. Agreed. He's, uh, you know what? And I don't want to, I don't want to put any bad juju out in the universe, but when he dies. Shut up. When he dies, it's going to happen. He's going to have to become our fourth shot. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we, we, we do Odin, Lemmy, Dio. When Tom Atkins passes into Valhalla, free of all sins, it will be Odin, Lemmy, Dio, Tom Atkins. And the only other edition we'll ever have is Ozzy Osbourne, but he's such a mutant freak that who knows? I don't know that Ozzy he might He us. might outlive us. Pro- it's, it's, I'd say it's There's a, good, a chance. good chance. He has caveman DNA. <laughs> oh, man. So we have Brie Grant here playing the role of Maya. Um, I, I kind of talked about her a little earlier. More contemporarily... She's in a movie called Beyond the Gates that I really, really like, which is like the horror movie version of Jumanji. But uh, her most recent horror role of note, she's in The Stylist. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Directed by Jill Six, uh, who's on the the board of the Knoxville Horror Film Festival, uh, director of The Stylist, and she's working on a movie right now. I've been trying to, to work it out to get her on the podcast, so... Hopefully she'll get announced for FrankenCon in 2024, or maybe I can catch her sometime this month because I think she's coming in to do some stuff. But uh, I absolutely love the stylist, and Brie Grant is great in it. She's kind of playing an atypical character because yes. usually she's kind of playing these like uh, punk rock kind of you know sexy. Stop! Biggest chicks. flaw of the movie: Sherry Zombie. Now go have some fun. Biggest flaw of the movie. I hate it. Don't make Michael enjoy what he's doing. Let him be a killer. Let him have his own thing, but don't be like, here's some fun. Go do whatever. That's the only thing I really shit on this movie for. I don't I don't like the mother aspect in this yeah, movie. Yeah, the mother. Because the mother. It's too. It's too. It's his stylized version of what his mother was because the mother in there in Rob Zombie's original is actually like super sympathetic. Like she, she blows going, her brains out. Yeah, she blows her brains out. Cause can you blame her? Jesus. Well, you know, he killed Forrest Gump's girlfriend. <laughs> that was that was baby uh, Jenny. Baby that Jenny. That's right. You're right. Original. And again, I also met her at that Gatlinburg uh, horror convention. I'm like, I see your titties, Jenny. Anyway, now this this God damn it! Like we're about to come to it, and this is this is what really pivots the director's cut and the theatrical cut from good movie to bad movie. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I totally forgot. He fucking... Yeah. Yep. I can tell you right now, seeing this in the theater, that moment right there was the biggest jump scare in the entire... That's the only yeah. time that I think that the, the audience audibly gassed the entire time of the running time seeing this in the theater with yeah. people. Um, that's, that was, that's genuinely great. Uh, misdirection. God, man, the fucking hunting knife and like the prying up, like Rob Zombie's not great, but man, he, he can do a death scene. Even even 31, which I've shit on multiple times for this, has some great death scenes. The, the, and it also has a little person murderer 
dressed like Hitler. Spanish, who is dressed like Hitler. Little Hitler. So, I mean, he the man has talent. But, God, man, Daniel. Oh, man. Okay, Brad Dorff. We're about to... When am I, I supposed to I, read I, off all my favorite Michaels? Well, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Because um, we're about we'll, to get we'll, to the bad. Oh, well, no. I want to talk about her death scene, when the revelation of Brad when he gets there. Because I think, number one, it's the best acting in the entire movie. And I actually would and put she's this... still it, not dead. This is what got me. Like, I... Like, God, she's still just suffering... Not to, Nobody in the entire, in any continuity in any of the series suffers as much as this poor woman, and it is horrific. I mean, not to mention the fact that she was killed in the first movie, definitively, only for them to bring her back in the sequel, just because they, they but, because they needed they needed her as an anchor character to, to for for yeah, Lori, for because Lori. otherwise. She would have had there would be there would be no redeeming of Lori without uh, Daniel Harris's character yes. of Annie because she needs her there because basically she becomes her surrogate mother in a sense and Annie has to yes. grow up and like fulfill that motherly role which her father Sheriff Brackett is now fulfilling the fatherly role and to make it much more crude Rob Zombie gave me and Brandon Daniel Harris's boobs. And his uh, Halloween, you know, and that's something we'd wanted since we were children. And that's the and and if you and if you listen to the podcast, I I give him so much credit for that, and it's why I can't hate that movie because I'm telling you right now, like of any woman on the planet not named Elvira, Daniel Harris might be number two of like the women that I would most like to be with. If you list my childhood crushes. Alyssa Milano from Who's the Boss was my first crush ever. I can't ever. I bought Embrace the Vampire day one. We won't go into why, but it's a great movie. Watch it, buddy. She touches herself. It's awesome. But watching these movies, like Danielle Harris is like six, five or six months older than me. I watch these, like, I had a genuine, like, oh my God, that's like, I'm crushed, like, Little boy butterflies in the stomach crush on Daniel Hush growing up. So, yes, Rob Zombie's Halloween will always have a special place in my heart. And you, you know how I can tell you that I genuinely love Daniel Harris? And it's not it's not just purely physical. Because she has a forehead that is big enough that Godzilla and King Kong could drag their balls across it all day long. And oh, they oh, would no, never no, no, touch. No, we got to stop. Uh, all joking aside, this is Brad Dorff's, like... Acting. Okay. Oh, God talk, talk. Now tell me why this this version is better than the theatrical version. Because it bring it, it. Like, I'm not a genuine father. I don't have biological kids that I didn't sell semen. I'm I'm sure I'm, but like imagining this with any of my stepkids, like imagine this. It, it's the most horrific. Worst case scenario ever, and then like you see him crying, and then they hit you with like memories of her as a child and happy and innocent, and like literally when I saw this on DVD, I cried, I tear, I didn't like go like weep. When we do Ghostbusters Afterlife, you will hear me weep, but like I genuinely like tears were streaming out. Of, like there's nothing. There's no other failure a father can make that's worse. 
is allowing your daughter to be brutalized in her again because this is the second time she barely survived the first one. He's already lived through this and now it's happened again and he failed her again. And there is no cinematic portrayal of grief I've ever seen more than this that affected like poor Brad Dorif. He's great. It's fucking amazing. Let me let me say what I gotta say before you retort. God, it's gonna be horrible. He's gonna be like, oh, I, this. This I do so funny. I do think that the scenes added of her make this more impactful. But I think this only makes it more impactful to people who are in the know. And the reason is the reason I I'm affected by it and I'm going to take a leap and why you're specifically affected by it is because we love Daniel Harris, the person, the actress, the character, like it's, it's all encompassing. So seeing her, those flashback scenes, we're not, we're not mourning the loss of Annie. We're mourning the loss of a sense of Daniel Harris and I think that is cinematically manipulative in a in a in a shorthand way, albeit effective. I don't know that that scene is going to be effective the same way it is to us, to your average person. I'm going to argue that immediately that you're wrong because I didn't think when I saw this like director's cut, I didn't think Daniel Harris. I would still been with with my ex Jennifer raising a child who I thought was mine, who did turn out not to be. I felt that failure as a father, as a parent, as, as as a caregiver. So, yes, you, you have no kids. You have no attachments. I love it. I, Brandon's house, I'm just so jealous. If I ever find out he dies unexpectedly, I'm robbing the <laughs> shit out of it. Uh, he's on record saying I can. His family can't stop me. But like you can fist fight them. I will if you if you don't if you don't punch my mother after I die. I don't. I mean, I what what have I even died for? And uh, I love my mother. Don't punch my mother. I'm just I'm making punch your here. mother. Your your stepdad though. He he's gonna get one in the jaw. By the way, by the How's way, how's he doing? Oh, he's doing great. But Good. but but by the way, all the reason, other reason that this is completely in her head. He's flipping over a fucking car. It's a Volvo though. I mean, they're tiny. I, and he's six foot seven. So anyway, I digress. I don't think it's because we're horror movie. Like Brandon's coming at from that because that's what Brandon is. I came at this originally off the rip as that's the failure as a father. Well, we'll so, leave, we'll leave this to you out there in the in the rant army. Decide in the comments and and stuff. You know I'm and, right, people, and answer among yourselves. St. Anthony is not only right, but his penis, his diamond set of fuck hammer, is better than beautiful Brandon's beautiful penis. Because that's a diamond set of fuck hammer. It's not beautiful. It's intimidating. He'll fuck you. I'll make love to you. There's there's a difference. You're going to come when I... Uh, <laughs> okay, this, this I'm going to make your heart come, and that's more important. This is where we get into a lot of flaws of this movie. This is when the art... And intent kind of get muddled with young Michael. Uh, so, so young Angel isn't that her name? Yeah, Angel Myers. Angel Myers. So you know what? Let's not even fucking worry about it. No, it's not. What are we doing, dude? I, I want to. Are you aware of what happened? Uh, this has been in the past few years. 
I think it was around the time of Halloween Kills or Halloween Ends when Jamie Lee Curtis finally met Scout and Daniel Harris. Are you aware of what oh, happened? Is it good or bad? It's that. not good. Oh. So we love Jamie Lee Curtis. We love her. And to be fair, at different points of her career, she has been an A-list actor or actress, you know, if you want to play the nomenclature. But when she met Daniel Harris and Scout Taylor Compton, she A, didn't know who they were. Okay, I don't blame her and, for that. And that's that's understandable to a point. But reportedly, if what they claim is true, she was completely shitty to them. Basically putting them down that they were in lesser incarnations of the series. I do not like Resurrection. I'm not a fan of H2O, although H2O would be higher on my list had it not been for Resurrection. But... Say what you will about Scout, because I think I think there's definitely an argument there. But Danielle was keeping the series alive in a time when yeah, Danielle Harris she doesn't have she doesn't have to back up on just Rob, Rob Zombie. She's ancillary to the whole core of the Halloween franchise as a get. She's a tentpole. It's Jamie Lee Curtis and fucking Danielle Harris. Secondarily, Daniel Harris. Daniel Harris is not Jamie Lee Curtis, but four and five kept that shit going. And you got to remember, Jamie's character, although not played by Danielle, is in Curse of Michael Myers. So there, I mean, there's a trilogy's worth oh, of of movies dealing specifically with that character. She fucked her uncle. It's gross. No, her uncle fucked her. I don't. I don't. Let's not. Okay, her uncle fucked her. And then if if you watch the producer's cut, which is weirdly the one on, I think, Peacock or Max, uh, they defeat him with runes. You know, it That's is always been my like that movie be fucking perfect had not been for just that scene. <laughs> you just you just brought up something I didn't have in my notes, but I want to get your take on it. Um, so definitively in the continuity of the original Six films, I mean, minus part three. Yeah. Michael is not a virgin. No, he fucks. Is Michael a virgin in Rob Zombie's Halloween 1 and 2? Mm. You gotta remember, depending on what cut you watch, they tried to bring him a woman in part one, and he had no yeah. interest in it. Could it be that he's uh, turned off by sex because his mother was a stripper? I think all that fucked with him so much. I, I, I go with that route. Like, you know, the first guy he kills as young Dang Feck or whatever, the spy kid beats him to death of the wood as somebody who's trying to like, oh, would your mom blah, 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 you know, and like exploiting his mom's sexuality. He beats that motherfucker to death with fucking wood. And I love it. I don't feel bad for him killing that one kid. That one kid everybody is a else, great kill. Everybody else you can make arguments for, but that kid, that fuck kid that had it fucking coming. Fuck you, spy kids. He's the spy kid's little brother. But, uh, Shark like, boy. And apparently he has like a huge dick in real life because Megan Trainer and he was ready to like put him on blast that his dick is too big. So again, big wow, what, to death for what, that. An, what an awful situation to be in. 
Sorry, your dick's too big. Sorry, your dick's too big, movie star. (laughs) But anyway, no, like, I don't even know where we started with that, but that's how we ended it. All right, so let's, let's, we haven't talked a lot about Tyler. Let's talk some more about Tyler. Tyler. Tyler Maine plays uh, the first time in the series where someone concurrently has played Michael in two entries. Now, he's the second actor to have played Michael multiple times, the first being George Wilbur, who played Michael in Part 4 and in The Curse of Michael Myers. Um, he was Bernard and Victor Crowley, Sabretooth in the first X-Men movie directed by that pedophile. Brian Singer. Uh, Brian Singer, fuck you. Um, Rufus Firefly and The Devil's Rejects. And some people uh, might remember him in his greatest role as Big Sky, the wrestler, from WCW. Just kidding. He fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, I knew he was a pro wrestler, but I didn't know where from what he was. All right. Because I'm not a I'm not a queer like Travis and Eddie. But and I would say Brandon, but I did watch the episode Brandon did with him on Zoom or whatever, and he had that luscious robe. So Brandon gets all Brandon is free of all sin from that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. So I asked you to compile a list. And um, it's so, not a surprising list. Don't be shocked. Um, and I basically wanted you to rank your the Michaels in order from least to best. So let me read out the people that have played Michael. And this is official. Like in part one, a whole bunch of different people played Michael, but we're only going by the the official one hundred percent credited Michaels. We have Nick Castle, Dick Warlock, George Wilbur, Don Shanks. Christopher Durand, Brad Lurie, Tyler Maine, and James Jude Courtney. What is your list? And and if you want to give me a little sprinkling it's as to worst why. to best. Okay, we got Brad Lurie because he's in Resurrection, and Resurrection is unrepentantly a bad movie. Fuck it, fuck it forever. James Jude Courtney is like he's did like the Blumhouse Halloween Inn and stuff. He's fine. I don't hate him. But you know, whatever. Well, we're we're gonna have. We a got discussion. Tyler Maine. Tyler Maine is not like Tyler Maine's not high on my list. Tyler Maine's pretty you low have on my list. Number six. He's at number six. That is exactly where I have him. Exactly, because he's not the worst. But like he's like he's got his own thing going. Then we have Don Shanks from number five. I also have Don Shanks at number five. God, we might have. Then they might also if they don't match. Then we're weird. We're pretty close. But then we have Christopher Duran from H two O. Lots of flaws in that movie, but I like Michael. Okay, then we have George Wilbur from 4 and 6. I didn't even like how in 6 he's kind of like the fatter, frumpier version of what he was from 4. But he doesn't have those stupid uh, hockey, hockey pads. Hockey pads, because he's just fat, I guess. Uh, then we have Dick Warlock, number 2, obviously. And then we have, you know, if you don't have Nick Castle as number 1, then you're a, you're a fucking, your, your tastes are worse than Scott. Fuck you, Scott. I know Jason better than you. All right, so here's my list. Number eight, Christopher Durand. I don't like Michael and oh, H2O whatsoever. you fucking 90s shit. Number seven, Brad Lurie. Can't, I don't like him. Uh, I think, the at least aesthetically, he's a little more pleasing than he is in H2O. You can't see his eyes as much. Uh, number six, Tyler Maine. Don't love him, but, you know, it is what it is. By the way, Lurie just got fucking shot. Um, and freeze frame, <laughs> like I like that's another like Rob Zombie likes his freeze frame sometimes. Yeah, and then Brad Dourif's having to lose like his adoptive daughter, like Brad Dourif's the ultimate victim of all. And look, there's um uh, 
Patrick from SpongeBob SquarePants. I can't think of that. That's Dauber from from Coach. Dauber from Coach. He was a oh, M-O-O-N from the Stand miniseries. Yeah. But he's Patrick. I forgot he was in these. Number uh, number five, I have Don Shanks. He's sort of middle of the road. Number four, George Wilbur. Number three, James Jude Courtney. I think James Jude Courtney spiritually is the best because he looks. He looks the part. I'm not going to argue. I mean, and, you, yeah. And I, and I think that he has, uh, over the course of three movies, he kind of nailed everything that you want from a classic Michael Myers. Here's where we're going to get into an argument. You're going to go Dick no. Warlock, number one over fucking no. Frank Nick Castle? Number, number two... Nick Castle, number two, Dick Warlock. And, your, and, and, your penis is no longer beautiful. <laughs> uh, you're a cuck, and you're wrong. Okay, here's my here's my argument. Um, because it is arguable how much of Nick Castle is actually in oh, Halloween God. one. It is ninety nine percent all of um, fucking uh, Dick Warlock in part two, and I love that Dick Warlock has this quality about him that is like, he's not in control of what he's doing. He's on autopilot. I really, really like that. Even though Halloween 2 is grossly, you know, uh, deferior. What's the word? Inferior. Inferior to Halloween 1. But that's my argument. You're um, fucking like, okay, this is on the level when you and Scott chose Touch of Evil on Painkiller, which literally any other choice. This is not an any other choice thing. It's Nick Castle has to be number one. Did Dick Warlock direct any of the Beethoven movies? No. That's true. That's true. You've got me there. I apologize. I the, the, the argument done. I'm taking another shot, so we have to wait to take off your garbage well, even I, longer. Well, I, what I would like you to do is, um, as we're coming to the end of this movie... I gave you a list yes, you of reviews. If you wouldn't mind reading them out, and we'll kind of discuss them as they and go along. I'm not human centipede drunk right now, so I'll remember doing that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not hiccuping. So yeah, Brandon be... only had his three shots, and then he stopped because he's he's a gay. Now I'm just playing. There's nothing wrong with being a gay. He's a he's a cucktard. <laughs> is that a bad thing? <laughs> All right. Oh my god, I gotta scroll up to the top here. At one point in the film, the character accused of profiteering off the miseries of others, and that is exactly what zombie will do if you see this movie. Perry Nimeroff. Um I mean, I kinda get it. Yeah, but I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. This is the most a- applicable. Interesting, yes. Enjoyable? That is more open to debate by Grant I, Wilson. I absolutely I kind of get that. Like, I enjoy the director's cut. And even then, this is way low on my ranks of, like, all the great Halloween movies. This is not up there. But um, Rob Zombie makes incoherent films about people killing each other in brutal ways. Here's another one. Linda Cup. I mean, again, brutal kills. For the purposes, coherency not great. For the purposes of this movie, the incoherency kind of works, but I can't discredit necessarily I, what that person is saying. Brutal and redundant, but not without a certain ugly integrity. This gruesome sequel allows Zombie to continue to explore his idea 
that Michael Myers is a pathetically and tragically irredeemable product of child abuse. John Beefus. Again, like, these reviews are very astute. Like, again, this is, like, this barely outranks the, like, it's it's above Resurrection and above Howling Kills. Well, well, let me, well, let, me, let me ask this question, and we'll kind of close it off here. Oh, there's some more. I, I know, but this is a good this is a good point to close it off because we're coming to our, our end, and I ultimately get to this. I got one more. I got to read. I read one more. All right, Zombie isn't a storyteller; he's a wallower. And because his movies take place in a culture of violence and sadism, there's nothing for Michael to do except echo what's already there and slaughter weaker sadists. David Edelson. That is that is honestly kind of my whole like and Rob Zombie's movies. Period. Okay, I have I have two questions for you. Okay. And we'll we'll close up shop. Number one, and you've already answered this, but for the sake of just being on the record about it, is this the worst Halloween movie? No, Resurrection's the worst. Pro- okay, I give you shit. I probably kill. Uh, no, I can't. I I'll be. I would rather watch this than kills. I've seen kills. I've seen kills twice, and and neither time has it made me want to watch it again. Uh, I, I think about this movie a lot. Like, and, I, I, okay, and it's not, a, it's, it's not an enjoyable watch, but this makes me want to kills at least investigate. Is slightly inferior to this, so I'm going to put Resurrection, Kills, then Rob Zombie's Halloween Two. Fair enough. Um, I. As the worst. As the worst, it's it's resurrection. And I would probably put this I'll fight you. I if might you say actually this is worse than H2O. Because H2O is good. I would actually no, it's not. I it might is. actually put this personally above part five. But it's gonna be it's what, debatable. What yeah, kind I of mood what you. kind of mood am I that, in? That that's a like is the wind blowing east or west that day. I get that. I totally I'm not even gonna argue that. Cause five Five makes some strong promises. Five. It doesn't deliver on me. It doesn't deliver. (laughs) And I still think the biggest injustice in all of these movies is killing the older foster sister from four. Like, off the rip? Yeah. Ellie Cornell deserves better. Don't even make her death, like, more important. Like, she's dying to protect. Like, you know, just kill her off. That was the worst mistake of all and my bigger question, just because this has been on my mind, because okay. I, I've in doing research for this, and admittedly I didn't go like super super deep, but when you're going through people's comments about this, um, they they talk about this movie like it was the Holocaust, you know, but yeah, obviously this is not the worst movie ever made. No, that's that's a stupid. Not that, even the worst Rob Zombie movie. It's, I agreed, um, but I'm just curious, what do you think? Across the board, any genre, what is the worst movie ever made? It's going to be weird because you're not going to like the answer because you're not going to know it because it was just so boring. The worst movie I've ever seen is a movie called Boiling Point with Dennis Hopper and Wesley Snipes, and it is the most boring fucking waste of a movie ever. But, I mean, I mean, that's... That's neither here. If you want, like, an exciting answer, I don't know. Uh, Passion of the Christ. 
Passion of the Christ is a great grindhouse movie. I mean, it's a it's a sexy BDSM <laughs> gay gay movie. Uh, no, 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 no. I have the answer. Uh, it's and I haven't even seen it, but I don't have to. It's the sound of. It's the one about the child trafficker rescuers. That's complete bullshit. That has Jim Caviezel playing some like, oh, Ooh, I saved child traffickers. And it's one of those alt-right movies that like only like people on Parlor and True Social went to see because they think it's a true story. But most money donated to that charity does not go to saving uh, child uh, trafficking victims. So that's the worst movie ever made. It's a it's an interesting question because you could look at it this way and say you know the obvious things like Plan Nine from Outer Space, which is absolutely no, it's incorrect. Great. It's a, yeah. Those those movies kind of dip back in on themselves and become good because of just how that's why bad they are. Point, Boiling Point has no redeemable value, and it has such a stacked case. Like look it up sometime. You'll see what I'm saying. You'll see like oh my god, Anthony's right. I should my, kill myself for watching. This. If you were to ask. Like, 13-year-old me, what the worst movie of all time was, I would have the same answer today. And uh-huh. I put this I put this to test. As you showed up here to the Black Lodge, I oh, rewatched God. something <laughs> I, ha- I had not seen since, like, when it very first came out. And um, boring is the worst sin a movie can make. Yep. And in that regard... Um, Halloween Kills can never be called the worst movie no. of all time. Neither can Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. But the worst movie I have ever seen, bar none, is Howling New Moon Rising, which is Howling, the seventh movie in the series. It is a movie about a western town that is inexplicably, oh, filled, that. inexplicably filled with Australian people trying to do American accents, except for one person who just doesn't fucking care. That nothing, nothing, nothing happens in that movie. Nothing. Oh, Uvi Bowl's uh, Blood Rain 2. Blood Rain 1 at least has Ben Kingsley not wanting to be there, but is there. All right, guys. All right. All right. We're glad you did this. Uh, Fuck you, Scott. You'll never, just because you got to play him in a haunted house does not mean you know Jason Moore. Fuck you, Travis, on general principle. Fuck you, Eddie, for thinking you know Halloween better than me. I'm taking Freddie and Michael, and you want Michael back, you can come get him. We'll we'll have a wrestling match at your next NWO, what is it? <laughs> NGW. NGW event. <laughs> I'll beat you up and take Michael from you in front of people. All right, guys, that's going to wrap us up for this month. This is this was a lot of fun talking about a, a, a underloved uh, movie. Uh, I think we both say that we we can both admire it. The, I tip over least. on the positive on the director's cut. Now we'll be back soon with another episode. Till then, the rants from the Black Lodge podcast can be found on a multitude of platforms. So please go give a subscription right now. You can find us on social media at Rants Black Lodge. Don't forget to stop by our homepage at juicykruger.com. And for the love of Cthulhu, go buy a T-shirt, a sticker, or a mug from our web store at rantarmy.com. For Fat Tony, this is Brennan A. Lane signing off. Till next time, Ran Army, keep marching.